This is the Lost Start of Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Lost Start of Communication podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the difference between speaking and communication on the whole. There's so many more factors that go into conveying our message than our words alone. So today, we're going to be talking about some of those differences and how to navigate those differences. So two of the big buzzwords of this episode are going to be communication and speaking. And a lot of people find them synonymous with each other, but in fact, they are not. I know I thought they were pretty synonymous with each other until I got into grad school and started learning about um, speech pathology. So we wanted to kind of break it down a little bit further for you guys. So communication and speaking. I like to think of speaking as a part of communication, but it's definitely not Mm -hmm. all of it. Communication is a whole, (laughs) and I'll get more into Mm -hmm. that a little bit too. Um, So there's an interesting statistic that I think is important to share. It's by a guy named Albert Murabian. Murabian. Sure. Great. (laughs) Sorry, Albert, if it's not right, but... This guy, Albert, um, came up with the 73855 rule of personal communication. So what that means is that communication can be broken down into a percentage of 7, percentage of 38, and a percentage of 55. So if you think of a big pie chart, 55% of that pie of communication is body language. A 38% of it is your tone of voice and only 7% is the actual words that come out of your mouth. <laughs> Which is crazy. It means that I could say the same sentence that Molly says, but based on my tone of voice and my body language, the entire message could be perceived completely differently. So many people complain that they are having misunderstandings with their friends or at work because the way they said something wasn't in alignment with the message that they wanted to give. And so regardless of the words you say, the way you say it and your overall presentation of your body, your face, and your energy can drastically change the message that you're actually putting out in the world. Yeah, it's crazy that only 7% is what comes out of your mouth. Like the other 93% if you add the other two together is... Mm -hmm the whole I don't know it's just crazy to me um Mm -hmm. and I just thought of something um a popular trend with with the youth now is Mm -hmm. rbf do you know what that is Trisha no I'm (laughs) apparently old and out of the loop you will know when I explain it rbf is resting bitch face oh yes yes (laughs) which is so funny right that's 55 percent of something that could be like misconstrued as something else So let's talk about that for a second. What that means is that if I'm sitting minding my own business and there's a look on my face that says I am unhappy or it conveys that I'm not nice, I could be pegged as being a bitch just because of the face that I'm making, even though I haven't said any words or necessarily engaged with another person. That's how much our presentation influences 
our communication. So what I would be doing is communicating subconsciously and involuntarily a message that may or may not be actually reflective with what I'm feeling. Now, does that mean that we need to plaster a smile on our faces all the time to make sure that we don't get misinterpreted that way? Absolutely not. But it is imperative to build our own awareness of the way we're coming across both while we're speaking and engaging and while we're not. Yeah. And it's kind of hard. I think it's interesting even to think about this podcast right now that 55% of our communication can't be interpreted right now because you're only hearing our Mm -hmm. words and our tone of voice. So yes, when you're listening to the podcast, you only have our voices to go by, but our voices tell a lot about our message. So Molly and I are on FaceTime right now. She can see me. So I'm going to have Molly do is close her eyes so she can't see me listening only to my tone of voice. She has no cues for my face or my body. I'm going to tell her the same sentence twice, and she's going to interpret the different meanings behind that. So the first sentence is, Molly, you got a haircut. And number two, Molly, you got a haircut. I would feel very sad about if I heard the second one. (laughs) Why? I said the same words. But you said it and you were judging and very unhappy with my haircut. (laughs) So how did you, how could you tell that you couldn't see my face? I said literally the exact same thing. It was very objective. I didn't give an opinion. I just said a fact. You got a haircut. I didn't say I like your haircut. How could you tell from my tone of voice that one was positive and one was negative? I think a big part was the pause in between Molly. You got a haircut. There was a lot of pauses in there. I could tell if I were to picture you, your eyebrows went down and things like that. I can fill in the blanks of what your body was doing, but the voice totally was paused. It was more hesitant. It wasn't as loud. It was Mm -hmm. um, restrained and kind of like, should I say this? I'm going to say it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what's so fascinating about this is that even though it's difficult to articulate what exactly was different about those two sentences, most of us so intrinsically know how to interpret that. And it's when people have difficulties understanding the underlying message, even though the words are the same, that's when communication breakdowns can happen. So Molly's a very good communication interpreter, and she heard the difference in my two sentences. But what if she wasn't? And I said something like that, and she took it as a compliment when it wasn't meant to be, or she took it as an insult when it was meant to be a compliment. And this is something that Since we have so much more text-based communication these days, I think people are really not as strong in interpreting these nuances of communication as we used to be, especially people who are growing up with all of these text-based communications and technology, children especially, are not so good at picking up these cues. And a lot of adults too, if you're in your own world, you're not going to pick up on these really subtle things. And totally, I think something else, um, your perception or your perspective of, let's say perception, your perception of what you want to hear can definitely have an mm-hmm. impact on it too. If I got a haircut and I was thinking, no one can ruin my day, I'm just going to go in there and rock it. And then someone said, hey, you got a haircut. I could be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to ignore that tone of voice and that body language and say, hey, she said this thing. Yeah, I did. <laughs> And I might not understand. I not, might not pick up on someone not being so nice to me, or I might, um, if I don't like somebody, 
and I heard them say, oh, hey, nice haircut, I might say, oh, my gosh, she was so rude and, like, change that frame in my own mm-hmm. kind of brain. Um, so it's important to really, really tune into what exactly is happening in that communication of, yeah, the it's like, of those other two parts. Yeah, it's like it, there's a scene in Mean Girls where she compliments, one of the characters compliments this other girl's was her bracelet, yeah, bracelet or sweater, yeah. and it was so sarc- like she was not being genuine. But it depends on the listener, the listener's overall perception of the situation. Is she going to detect that that was false, or is she going to believe it? This also plays a huge role in sarcasm. How do we detect if someone's being sarcastic? Most of it is. It's not the actual words that are coming out of our mouth, but it's the tone. And that's up to us to interpret. Same with humor. A a joke can be delivered very poorly if the tone of voice and the body language and the face don't reflect how it was meant to come across. Totally. And I think sarcasm is a huge root of miscommunications and arguments between people. Um, and I think, again, it's being super hyper aware of those two different parts, not just the words, but the two main parts of communication being body language and tone of voice. You have to really pick mm-hmm. up on that. And um, sometimes people can be very subtle in their sarcasm, but I think it's really important to notice what they're doing with those two parts. And you can mm-hmm. hopefully avoid some miscommunications and breakdowns. Yeah, and so what is really important in your relationships with anyone is to understand their communication style. So someone who is very sarcastic, it's going to you're going to interpret the way they're communicating differently than someone who typically isn't. So if someone never makes jokes and they say, "Oh my gosh, this is the worst day ever," something, and you know they're being serious versus someone who's always joking around and always making sarcastic comments, you'll learn to interpret that differently. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing to remember is you have to take in past experiences and prior knowledge of someone to put together all... I think that'd be... Sorry, I cut myself off, but I think that'd be another piece of the pie for communication is like, what do you know about that person? Mm -hmm. And you can't... It's hard to interpret someone's message if you don't know their patterns of communication already. So taking into account Mm -hmm. what you know and how you've communicated with them in the past is a huge extra slice of the pie. I love that because when you're interacting with a stranger or for, with a person for the first time, they might accidentally offend you if they make a joke and you weren't expecting it from them or if they if their voice suggests something in a rude way, whereas someone who knows that person doesn't think it's rude, they're like, oh, that's just how he talks. And that happens a lot. And so it's important when we're interacting with people who don't know us that we try to also match their style and gauge the situation so that we don't get misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. So a classic example of when our communication and words might not align is the saying when people get in a fight and someone says, I'm fine. Mm, yes. I'm fine. But you tell, you know, they are not fine or they're saying, oh yeah, that's okay. I'm all right. And you know, based on their voice, based on the body language, they're not fine. That's not really productive. And so we all need to get better at pairing our communication as a whole with our speaking style. If we want to get our message conveyed. Definitely. I think a lot of arguments happen that way (laughs) Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I think 
again, talking about that perception, you can choose to only listen to the words and say, oh, she said she's fine, or he said he's fine. I'll just Mm -hmm. move along and only pick up on that 7% of that communication to make my life easier. But (laughs) I think it's important to really take into all parts of it. Hey, Mm -hmm. when she said it's fine, her arms were crossed, her eyebrows were down, and then she walked away from me. Cool. (laughs) And that's what can be so frustrating for both people. It's Let's say in this case, there's a woman who says, I'm fine, but she doesn't mean it. And the man has a choice to either say, all right, she said she's fine, I'm going to believe it, or recognize that she's not fine. It's still frustrating for both parties, though, because then he has to somehow get her nonverbals to match her verbal cues and get her to talk about it. And she also is not fully expressing her feelings. She's Her words don't match the rest of her body language and so it's just a lose-lose situation and we all do that all the time but it's really important that we're especially able to pick up on those things in other people so that we can say hey look it doesn't seem like you're fine because ultimately that's what she wants probably is for you to say that and to notice that and so it's a delicate matter to be able to express hey you don't seem fine. Let's talk about it and get her to talk about it. But we also need to, I think, become more comfortable talking about things and rather than expressing them passive aggressively in our body language and tone of voice. I think that's a really good point that you brought it, got a pro. Wow. You got across. <laughs> Words were not there today. Um, I think that's a huge point. I think when one part of the pie either body language tone of voice or words don't match the rest it can most ultimately come across as passive aggressive i think that's usually how it comes across and Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know about you guys but i don't like passive aggressive people i think it's fake and i hate it (laughs) so i am a big proponent of exactly what you said trisha of making sure that all three pieces of your communication match so there's no misinterpretations happening mm-hmm. and you're truly putting on the table what you're trying to communicate and not making anyone be the guesser in the interpretation game. Mm-hmm. And another, so it's not always necessarily going to seem passive aggressive, but since for the most part, we are very good at interpreting these subconscious signals if your communication as a whole, your body language and your tone of voice don't align with the words that you are saying, you probably won't be perceived as being very genuine. We think of shady people. We think of, uh, there's just something about him that I just didn't trust. It's usually if there is a mismatch between the energy that they're putting forth and the words that they are saying. So I have a really funny example of this, actually, that I hadn't thought of before, Mm -hmm. but... Have you ever interacted with someone who is, okay, so set the scene. Say you're at like a party and you're talking to somebody and Mm -hmm. say you're telling a funny story and they laugh and they say, ha 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 ha, exactly. And then they kind of shift their eyes around or like shift Mm. their bodies around. The message that I'm getting from that is, 
they're not super into this conversation. They're looking for someone else to be a part of, or they're making sure they look cute when they laugh, and they're making sure that the guy or the girl across the room saw them look all cute, so they're shifting their eyes. Mm -hmm. They're not totally in a conversation. And that's kind of what I perceive as like them being shifty of being like, oh, you're not really thinking about me. You're um, communicating something else to me and I'm picking up on it. And it makes you seem disgenuine and shifty. Mm -hmm. We can tell if someone's not interested in the things that we're saying by the way they're holding themselves, by their eye contact and facial expressions. And so if we want to really be good speakers, but also good listeners. We need to gain awareness of our own bodies and our faces. This is huge when it comes to listening as well, because that's a huge component of communication. I was just thinking of that too. Like if someone's talking to you and their eyes keep on going to their phone and they're shifting Mm -hmm. down and they're like talking to you and they're saying, yeah, cool. Uh Uh-huh. Their words might seem like they're connected, but their eyes are thinking about their phone and their making me feel uncomfortable (laughs) side note this is perhaps not exactly relevant but it just made me think of there have been studies that have shown that even if you have your smartphone on the table while you're having a conversation with someone the person feels less connected with you and so my interpretation of that is that the phone conveys it communicates to someone that you're not fully present and so even that's not even your body language. That's not your face. That's literally your device on the table. That communicates something. The way that you, the, where your chair is positioned communicates something. Where you're facing communicates something. If you're distracted painting your nails while you're talking to someone, that communicates something. It could communicate comfort hey, I know you really well. I'm comfortable enough to paint my nails while we're doing this podcast. But it also, if it's another sort of situation and it's, oh, I'm kind of uncomfortable in this setting, so I'm going to keep my phone right here just in case I have to text for an escape, then that conveys something as well. So something that I do in my personal life based off of that is if I feel like one of the pieces of the pie isn't communicating what I want it to, So, for example, if my body is leaving a room because I need to go do something in the middle of a conversation, I will try and explain my perspective and my reasoning behind it so there's no miscommunication there. So, for example, a lot of times with people I live with, we have rooms very close to each other. And sometimes I'll have a conversation with one of my roommates in their room and I'm like, oh, my gosh, crap, I need to go grab something from my room. So usually in the conversation, I would not just leave and go grab something in my room and come back without telling them because that would send the message with my body being like, I don't care that much. I have something else in my mind. I'm going to go do this. Mm -hmm. I would say, hey, hold on. I'm listening to you. Keep going. I have to grab something real fast. I'll be right back. And then Mm -hmm. they usually keep on telling me from across the hall and then I come back and then I show with my body again that I am more present. Um, Mm -hmm. So just making sure, again, going back to making sure that all of those pieces of the pie align if they're not communicating why and helping that miscommunication not happen. Mm -hmm. That also made me think of when we are listening to someone and sometimes ideas pop into our minds, like this happens with us all the time, an idea will pop up and we'll make this face like, oh, I'm ready to speak now. That's better than interrupting. But by making that face, we're also like, hey, I'm thinking about what's in my mind now. And so what's really nice is if that happens, and let's say you have something you're bursting to say and you 
you make that face, it's really helpful if the communication partner can acknowledge it and say, okay, hold that thought. Let me just finish what I'm saying. Or, oh, you look like you want to say something. Go ahead. But either way, it's acknowledging that instead of trying to ignore it or suppress it. Um, I think that's a huge reason why me and Trisha do this podcast um, over FaceTime. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if I said this before, I forget, but we are FaceTiming right now on top of talking, on top of recording. So at first, when we were trying to figure out this podcast, we were like, oh, we'll just call each other. And then me and Trisha were like, wait, no, we have to see each other's faces because Mm -hmm. what if something, just like Trisha said, someone has an idea or someone is um, trying to get a word in and I can't tell because I don't see their Mm -hmm. body or their face. So having all those pieces of the communication pie was really important for this even so much is lost on phone calls there's still so much that we can convey as we showed earlier with closing the eyes but even facetime or skype or whatever there are so many pieces of communication that are still lost it's limited it's obviously better than just talking on the phone or texting or something but there i still can't see molly's whole body i what if she's you know like texting on this nut what if she's like writing a note on the side out of the screen? I can't see what she's doing. I'm but actually it's doing definitely so on the side, so just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that we're, we have to learn how to adapt these things that naturally were designed to speak face to face, in person, whole bodies. And we have to learn as people how to adapt these very natural processes that we have to things like FaceTime or texting or Snapchat or emails. And there's so many factors that go into it, but this is a start. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we want to kind of bring back in-person communication because then you can get all those pieces together and it's so nice. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. also when you are an in-person communicator, being a good one and picking up on all those three pieces of it is really Mm -hmm. important. Yeah. I have a funny story of something that happened recently that just kind of illustrated how important our nonverbals are and the effect that our nonverbals can have. So it was a Monday night. I got off work at seven, which is early for me. And I decided I didn't want to go home yet. So I went to this coffee shop slash wine bar that has Wi-Fi, and I decided to do some work there. And the reason I stopped in is because they had a sign advertising happy hour all night. And so I went in and there were two choices of red wine on the happy hour menu. So I ordered one of the wines and he, the waiter gave me a sip before I decided. And so I took the sip and I made a face that suggested, eh, this isn't my favorite, but it was tolerable. So I said, okay. And he was like, you don't like it, do you? He could tell from my face, not my words, that I didn't enjoy the wine. And so... I said, oh, no, no, it's fine. This is fine because I didn't want to be that obnoxious customer that didn't like the wine that he gave me. And so then the waiter is like, are you sure? And then the guy at the table next to me said, she's trying really hard to like the wine. And so it was so obvious and apparent by my facial expression and my tone of voice that I didn't really like the wine, even though I insisted it was fine. And... So he ended up bringing me the other one on the happy hour menu, and that one was just awful. So I said, 
point blank, nope, I don't like it. Bring me the first one. And he was like, no, we have to get you a wine you like. So he brought me a third wine, and it was really good. And I said it was good, but I wanted the one of the wines on happy hour because it was like a significant price difference. And so he's like, all right, well, we'll just give it to you on happy hour anyway. So that was very nice. But it was the point being by conveying on my face that I didn't like it. He picked up on that. But he, as a waiter, obviously wanted to make me happy. And so I didn't want to tell him what I was thinking. And this shows some of the tricky things that can go into this being a polite person. I didn't want to be an obnoxious customer. And I think that kind of goes back to awesome story. Thank you, by the way. I love that one. (laughs) Makes me laugh. Um, But I think that also goes back to how well you know the person you're communicating with, too. Mm -hmm. If that waiter had been a lifelong friend, you'd be like, dude, you know me, that wine sucks. Give me another one. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. you've never met him before. You're in a place of business that has people sitting around you. You don't want to be like, oh my gosh, that's so gross. Give me another one. You kind of have to Mm -hmm. figure out those nuances on your own. And I think it worked out in your favor. It did. And the funny thing is that the first one wasn't even that bad. And so I tried telling him, no, no, like, it's fine. I'll stick with this one. It wasn't terrible. It was just the first sip kind of threw me off. But then since he had seen my face, I could not redeem myself. As much as I tried with my words to say, no, no, it's fine. I promise. I really liked it. He did not believe me, which shows that our nonverbals can break trust so quickly. He no longer trusted me. Mm -hmm. He trusted that 38% of the tone of voice as opposed to the 7% of words. Yeah, and my face, because I definitely grimaced when I drank it. (laughs) So 93% of Trisha was saying no. (laughs) Yeah, but even when I tried to take it back, it didn't matter. And that's really important, because think about if you're having an argument with someone or just a discussion about something, and you say something, and someone can tell, like, you didn't really mean that, that's going to be brought up again, because people don't forgive things that they don't trust often. Totally, totally. Um, I have another story about kind of this happening in the workplace environment and how it can arise or cause tension. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am at a new place of work and I'm pretty quiet and observing in my situation. So I observe a lot of interactions happening. Um, And I saw one the other day that kind of made me chuckle. Um, And mind you, we all are speech pathologist so it's funny because (laughs) we all think about communication all the time um but I was in the office and it was a time of time crunch we were all about to start our clients um and there was a guy who was fixing our printer and he was fixing it we had about five minutes before we all had to go and see all of our clients for the day we had been having trouble printing one of our documents that we always need to print and it was really frustrating So we all see our clients at 3.30. So literally at 3.28, the printer guy comes out of the room and he goes, oh, hey guys, I found out the reason why you can't print this document. Do you guys want me to show you? And every one of our bodies kind of got really stiff and like our faces got really concerned and weirded out. And we were like, uh, maybe. (laughs) And so the guy did not pick up on any of those cues and he goes over to us. He's like, okay, let me show you. And we're like, we had to give him that third part of our communication. Be like, Hey dude, actually we can't, I'm sorry. Like we got patience in like two minutes. We can't go do this. And he was like, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he was not a good communication interpreter. 
because he missed all the other cues of us trying to let him know, like, hey, we want to be nice and tell you, like, maybe, but you're not picking up on the 93% 93 of our other communication saying, nope, I'm busy and I'm stressed. (laughs) And it was very funny. Mm -hmm. That brings up such a good point because we often as speakers expect other people to pick up on our cues. So Molly and all of your coworkers were thinking he's going to get that. We're like busy right now, but he didn't. And so I think it's really great that you guys told him like, Hey, I would love to see this, but actually I'm a little bit stressed at the moment. And I think that's something that we can all do more often than we think I do with my mom all the time. If she calls me at a bad time, instead of just sitting through and having a conversation where I'm distracted the whole time, I usually say, hey, look, I only have 10 minutes, so why don't I call you back later when I can relax? Again, making your words match your tone of voice and your body language to make sure your message is crystal clear is very, very important. Mm -hmm. And thinking about maybe this person didn't pick up on my cue, even though I thought it was obvious. Maybe they didn't think it was obvious because they have, guess what, a million other things on their own mind. They're thinking about themselves. They're not really concerned with your face in a lot of situations. Yeah, totally. And if you're, yeah, if you're the communication sender, message sender, you have to be really also the interpreter interpreting if the other person got your message. It's all a back and Mm -hmm. forth game. So then if they didn't get your message, you change the way you send your message again. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So we have to think on our feet sometimes of this is not coming across as I intended it. What can I do differently to make sure that it does get conveyed in the way that I want? Also making sure that you're not saying they should have got it. Mm -hmm. Should. Yeah. No. (laughs) You always have to make sure that sometimes your message isn't coming across the way you want it. Change it. Everyone's a different interpreter. So make sure Mm -hmm. that you're being a variable sender. Does that make sense? We all, it does. We always have to ask ourselves, is there something I could have done differently to communicate this message if someone didn't get it? Usually it's not the interpreter's fault. Sometimes people aren't good at interpreting. And so we just have to work with that. We can't control that. We can only control the message that we put out and the responses that we elicit based on our output. I think we sound like we're computers, message senders, interpreters, (laughs) but there's so much more. Basically. (laughs) All right, cool. So Molly, what are your take home tips for people to improve their communication and speaking so that that's all in alignment? (laughs) I think a take home that I want to tell people to do is be a good message sender by making sure that all three parts of your communication align together and if one of them doesn't explain why so the person gets the message kind of going back to my example of if I'm leaving a room during a conversation letting them know why my body is doing that that sounded weird letting them know why my body language is not in alignment with my message mm-hmm. that's good I that's super important It made me think too, when you're, so my tip will be for if you're not the communication sender, but if you're interpreting someone else's communication, you really want to take their perspective because often we take things much more personally than we need to. So you might be thinking, 
why did she use that tone with me? Maybe she just hates me when really she's had a really bad day and she didn't notice that her tone came across that way. Or maybe she has resting bitch face because she just had a car accident that morning and she's not having a fabulous Tuesday. And so we interpret that as, oh my gosh, she hates me. Why did she take it out on me? That's an episode for another day. But the starting point is try to understand why someone's communication and speaking might not be in alignment. Do they not feel comfortable telling you how they feel? Is that why they're saying I'm fine instead of really expressing their opinion? Or is it something totally unrelated? And my other take home homework would be to, if you really want to get feedback and understand the way that you look and the way your face and body appear when you're communicating, try filming yourself. We totally, yes, research shows that looking back on a model of yourself is the best way to change that behavior. I should look up where that research is from, but it's a lot out there. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's, sometimes it's not comfortable. It's like, if you go to the gym to lose weight, you're going to look in the mirror, not always pretty, but you got to do it. So you want to do the same thing, really push yourself to film yourself and get that feedback. Otherwise you'll never know. I think even just doing FaceTime sometimes and checking yourself out. That could mm-hmm. totally work too. That's right. I've been looking at myself this whole mm-hmm. time, not at Molly. Yep. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that would make me a bad communicator. Boom, you miss all my body language and messages being sent that way. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, if you guys have any thoughts or questions, please feel free to reach out to us at lostartofcommunication at gmail.com. And please send us your stories, any kind of. Um, things you want us to interpret for you, any questions, we love hearing from you, so please send in. Thank you for listening to us, this very one-sided conversation. (laughs) Have a wonderful, fabulous rest of your day. Bye, guys.